Hi, everybody. This is uh, Silvio Canto in Dallas, uh, Texas, on Monday, January the 15th, the day of the Texas tundra, where we're getting this big drop in temperatures. Uh, and so what a perfect day to talk to our friend uh, Bill Katz, the editor of Urgent Agenda up in New York. He always has a good idea on how to deal with a storm. So hi, Bill. Welcome. Welcome to you, Silvio. I'm looking outside. The weather looks miserable, but it really isn't miserable. We don't have a big storm in New York right now. Uh, as, uh, as I think I may have mentioned to you, the people at Duracell and Energizer are in crisis. Uh, they can't sell us additional batteries that we don't need. But so far this week, I mean, we, we hear of all this terrible weather around the country. It really hasn't been terrible here. Yeah. Well, down here, because we don't get these often, it it does throw people into a panic. Uh, we did have some ice and a little snow when we, we woke up today. But thankfully, it was a day off for a lot of people, so you, they didn't have to travel. Otherwise, it would have been a real mess in rush hour today. But it's 22 right now, and it's supposed to drop again to the teens tonight. And then tomorrow afternoon, I guess it'll go up to the 40s. And then the 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 large storm or the big storm of 2024 will be a memory in 24 hours, Bill. That's the way it happens here. We have a storm. Everybody freaks out. A couple of days later, it's over. Nobody talks about it anymore, Bill. Well, that's exactly right. Well, the, the weather reports are a constant uh, subject here in New York because one inch of snow can throw the largest city uh, in the United States into chaos because of the traffic situation. Uh, and if you get a big rainstorm and a big enough rainstorm, it can even stop the subways. People don't realize that, especially downtown in Manhattan, where the stations are old and the construction is old, the subways can get flooded very easily from the sidewalks above. Mm. And you have a then you have a real mess all over the city. Yeah. How old are some of those subway... Not stations, but the subway tunnels. How old are they? Oh, I think they go back to about 1909. Really? So it's that 100 early. years plus. Yes, the, the ones downtown around Wall Street, you go into the station, it's claustrophobic. I yeah. mean, the stations are very narrow, and you look into those tunnels, and you realize how long ago they were built. It's not a comfortable feeling, and it's not a luxury feeling either. Right. Well, today, of course, January the 15th, it's Martin Luther King Day, a federal holiday, in the United States, we remember Dr. King, who was born on this day in 1928. So that means he would have been 96 uh, had he lived uh, today. But what amazes me, Bill, is that there's a lot of celebrations. I hear a lot of celebrations. They did cancel the parade today because of the bad weather. But there's a lot of celebrations. And I hear a lot of speakers who all of a sudden uh, say one thing. But then when, when it's not Martin Luther King's Day, they forget that he once spoke about character, not skin color, Bill. That's right. He, he said, judge people. That was the I have a dream speech. And he said, someday we will judge people not by the color of the skin, but by the content of their character. Well, that is exactly the opposite of what the civil rights movement has become. Today, it is a movement about the color of your skin. And that's the only important characteristic that counts. And you must be given special privileges. Uh, and uh, you even had a situation at the 
uh, the uh, Johns Hopkins Medical School, one of the finest in the world, a few days ago where their diversity manager put out a list of privileged groups in American society. There was immediate outrage because some of them, uh, I mean, they were, were ridiculous and that has now been withdrawn. But the teachings of Dr. King, I'm sorry to say, are history. I think uh, the, the country would have been much better had he been remembered better because he had the right idea. He absolutely did. I do have a comment I want to make about that letter in Johns Hopkins University. Apparently, the, the lady who wrote that letter said later on that she didn't mean it the way it came out. Well, how did she mean it? Then? How did I she mean, mean it? Yeah. yeah. You know, I mean, when you write a letter, it's like me writing a letter saying, you know, Bill, I think you are a blank, 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 blank person. And then when you call me on the phone and you say, what, what is this about? And you go, you know, Bill, I guess I didn't write it correctly. I'm sorry. Yes, yes. Isn't it amazing that the, the, the great standard where people say I take full responsibility is also fading away? Yes. And I fear for the armed forces because that is the standard in the armed forces of taking responsibility. You're absolutely right. Well, she should have said, look, I did this. I wrote this incorrectly. It was shameful. And here's my resignation. If she had done right. that, I feel better. Yes. But basically, she said, I want to keep my job. But the next time, I guess I won't I won't be quite as expressive in how I really feel about this, Bill. Yes. Well, that whole DEI thing is, is fading. I wouldn't say it's fading away. It's still very strong. And what some colleges are doing now is simply changing the letters. Because, the, because especially a, a place like Florida, in which it is now banned by law, uh, they have colleges that are just going to change the letters into something else. And it'll be exactly the same thing. And they will deny that it's the same thing. Right. What is amazing is the level of dishonesty, the level where, where education has been reduced to gimmicks like that, rather than good teaching and good learning. That's right. Well, here in Texas, uh, the legislature did kill these DEI offices in the public colleges. So we don't have them, but they may come back in in some other form. But for the time being, they they are not allowed in the, in the public universities. Well, we have a big deal today, Bill. Iowa, now we'll know the results, I guess, later tonight. I'm not sure it makes that big of a deal. Honestly, Bill, I think that unless there's a big surprise that I could always happen. I think that president Trump is going to win tonight. Somebody will come in and second and declare victory. And then they'll go to New Hampshire, whoever survives Trump will win again. Somebody will declare victory in number two, and then we'll get to South Carolina. And I think that's the end of it, Bill. At I think point, I think at that point, Trump is in and yes, everybody needs to just fade away. I think you're absolutely right. Uh, I think he, he is way ahead. The others have not made much of an impression, which is too bad because there were some good candidates there. But I think, you know, this is one of those things. You see Iowa caucuses all over the news networks as if it's the most important election in the history of the world. And you want to know every little detail. I mean, you. I, I think one of these days they're going to go through every address in Iowa and bang on doors and ask people for, for interviews because they're filling time. Uh, the, the news networks simply don't have enough stories, and they're making the Iowa caucus, uh, caucuses into something bigger than they are. I also have a question. I hope it's not a rude question, but where was the teaching by doctors that you don't go out in bitter cold weather like that because you can really get hurt? Uh, and, and 
seriously injured medically. It's like minus 30 in some parts of Iowa. And these guys that are on television saying, well, Joe, it won't stop these Iowans. They're going to be out there going to those caucuses. Well, isn't this the kind of thing that doctors urge you not to do in weather like that? Stay inside, stay warm, watch your health. I mean, apparently that's all forgotten because the news networks need a story. That's right. Well, if they, if you can go watch a football game like the other night in Kansas City when it was like minus something, 20 below or something, and today they're going to be playing in Buffalo where it's even worse, uh, I guess if, you know, if they're going to let people go watch games with these kinds of temperatures, then maybe the they'll go and vote in the caucus. I just, you know, when you look at the record of these caucuses, and I think caucus, the the, the plural is not caucuses, right? Uh, I think it's it is. It is, okay. But anyway, when you remember that Pat Robertson was the winner in 1988, yes. when you remember that uh, Mike Huckabee in 2008, Rick Santorum in 2012, and Ted Cruz in 2016. Bill, help me out. Did any of those guys go on to get the nomination? I don't remember I, I, any of them. I don't think so. It's. Uh, I think uh, Iowa is a is a, a strange egg. Uh, I also think I. It, it makes me yearn for the days of party bosses. They didn't put people through this. They said, "This is the guy. We know him well, and he's going to be your next nominee, and that's it." Right. And you either went with it or didn't go with it. But all this complication over some caucuses, I absolutely guarantee you, in two days, the word Iowa will be forgotten. It's a word right. that comes, in, comes into the vocabulary once every four years. Right. The only time you'll hear Iowa over the next 90 days is their basketball team. I understand their college basketball team is pretty good. Yeah. They may make it to the finals, but but you're right. You're right. Nobody's going to be talking about this because I, first of all, I think it's too early to have this, you know, we're talking about the election is still so many months away that it is really way too early. They should have it maybe in February or March, just like New Hampshire. New Hampshire used to be a lot later too. But but I also, I also think the success of Trump, and I've, you know, I've been a critic of Trump a lot. But I'm, I've come to the conclusion that the stars are lining up for him, and it's because he's connected something with the American people. The topics that he talks about connect with people. There may not be you know, a huge popular majority, but it's enough to win the election, Bill. I really believe he's going to win this election. Well, I, I think there's a very, very good chance of it unless something comes along. You know, we can't predict the future. We don't know what's going to happen. We Something big or catastrophic can occur. Uh, someone may not make it biologically through, through the, 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 the spring. Uh, but the way things are today, it you're right. <laughs> you're right. I mean, he seems to be lining up. You know, the, the, the stars tend to line up for people like they did for Jimmy Carter in 76. Yes. Uh, you know, like they did for Obama in in 2008 i mean sometimes you could see it coming and you can just realize that this is going to happen yes and, i think that's and, absolutely true yeah so and i really feel that way now of course it helps bill if your opponent has the approval rates of president biden yes I mean, that helps a lot doesn't it bill yes that, that he is he is now equaling the general uh class average in reading for eighth graders in the united states about 33 um, and uh, he must feel very good about that. 
But I, I think that the, the problem there, and I think those numbers are probably accurate, is that every time they see him on television, they realize that, that physically, this is not somebody you want to put into that office, even if he's already holding it. And, and, and I, I think there is real anger in the country that he's even running at all. You know, every survey says that the American people don't want either he or Donald Trump to be running for president. It's a very weird situation. I don't recall this ever happening. No, but I, I, usually I, it's one, but not both. <laughs> yes. And, and I think in the case of the president, uh, my own feeling is that this is going to lead to a legislation or to understandings between the parties that every candidate will have to undergo a rigorous physical and mental examination uh, simply to be allowed to run. And I have no problem with that. Yeah. Well, I'll repeat what I've said many times uh, in these conversations that we have, Bill, that I would have been happier if two different people were running. I would have been happier. Uh, I, I was rooting for Governor DeSantis because I, 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 he was a fresh face. And I think he was talking about the future. And I was hoping he could get to run, let's say, against Governor Newsom, not because I like Newsom, but because I think the country could use a debate between two states that are going in opposite directions, yes. two ideas. Uh, and it would be more issue-driven campaign than what it will be now. But I think, you know, DeSantis is out of it, as far as I can tell. He, you know, I will say this. He may end up as vice president. I know that sounds crazy, but, but it could happen. Can't, but I it's not no, it's not constitutional because both men are legal residents of Florida. Well, but Trump has a hotel in Texas. Well, he would have to change it. Yeah, <laughs> that he's. I think he's had enough gimmicks. You yes. know, one of the things we we should bring up is the fact he's in a lot of legal trouble. I think it's an outrage. I think it's so obviously a politically organized hit job. But the fact of the matter is that if the courts uphold, uh, uh, if he if he if he's found guilty and the courts uphold it, he's He's got a big problem. He does, and that's what concerns a lot of us because, you know, I think you're right. I think much much of this is political. But Trump just seems to get a lot of help from his enemies. You know, I have this lady, Fannie Willis. Oh, yes. <laughs> I mean, Bill, if you're going to do, if you're going to go after the president of the United States, shouldn't you maybe look around and make sure you're not doing something stupid that will come out later, Bill? Well, I think... Most intelligent people would think that way. But if, if you look at the whole history of the charges against him, they're not exactly being brought by legal giants. I mean, here in New York, is the, I mean, you've got uh, the district attorney Bragg and you've got the uh, Trish James, who is the state attorney general, who in this trial that was just held regarding fraud, uh, she attended it every day as an observer. That's not what she's being paid to do, you know? I mean, she was there every day with a big smile on her face because she had she had pledged when running for attorney general of New York that she was going to get Trump. And it, this has not gone down very well. I mean, the um, uh, he, uh, the, the, some people say, well, this is very bad. He overvalued his assets when he was in business. From what I can see and from what I've heard of experts who have testified, everybody overvalues their assets and the banks take that, take that into consideration. It's part of the game. Nobody ever gets tried for it except Donald Trump. Right. And when you have a state attorney general who is so political 
as Trish James is, she was the candidate of what is known as the Working People's Party, which is basically a front operation for an old Marxist group. And she goes to the trial every day as an observer. I mean, my goodness, how political can you be? That's right. And the other thing, too, is that the what I always found skeptical about this whole fraud case was that the bank and the insurance company that were supposed to be defrauded say they were not. So, I mean, no. if you're going to accuse somebody of, of, of do, I mean, it's like somebody accuses me of writing a bad check. Okay. But where's the check? Where's the transaction? Yes. And they well, cannot find it. I, one of my best friends was a banker in uh, New York real estate. And he thinks the whole thing is a farce. He said, we, we always took that into consideration. Anybody who came to us for a loan overvalued the value of their property. That's why we had people who were evaluators who went to the property and corrected it. But nobody ever got prosecuted for it. It was right. part of the game of real estate. Well, my, uh, you know, our youngest son, uh, years ago when he was playing Little League ball, the coach on the team, who became a friend of mine as well, was a real estate. He would actually go out. I mean, when a bank was going to give somebody a mortgage loan, they would send him to the property and they would get like an independent valuation yes. of the property. So okay. if someone said this property is worth 200000 let's say, you know, they would say, well, thanks for your opinion. But they wouldn't go off of that. They would go off of this independent valuation. That's right. That's right. And that's how they would calculate the money. So Trump didn't do anything that nobody else does. And the mere fact that he paid off the loans, that should be, and paid them off on time, as I understand, that should have been enough. But the problem in New York is that I don't know if there's an appeals court that will shoot this down, Bill. I don't know either. And I, I, I look ahead to the next six months. What if you have a situation where a man like, like Trump is obviously the choice of his party and obviously well ahead in the polls to be president of the United States and some little court somewhere comes along and convicts him? What do you do then? Well, it'll wind up in the Supreme Court. I mean, right. you know, they'll figure out a way to wind up. And then the Supreme Court has got, you know, do you, do you give the American people their choice? Or do we let a local prosecutor in some obscure court decide who the next president is? Right. I think the Supreme Court, if they're smart, and they are, I think they would immediately make sure the way is clear for the people's choice. I agree. And then hopefully somewhere in the back room, there's a fellow by the name of Obama yeah. who's calling some of these Democrats saying, guys, you better stop this because they're going to do it to me. Yes. And I and think you're right. Because I think when, you know, I was telling a friend the other day that, you know, we've been a republic, I guess, technically since Washington came in, but let's say 250 years or whatever. And nobody ever crossed this line before. No, there, that's was a lot right. of there was a lot of political passions before. Oh, yes. So I think that for some reason, there was an understanding between the two parties that if you cross these lines, it would eventually come back to hurt you. Uh, yes, and well, so, I, I think the Republicans are already doing their research. Yes. And all of a sudden, you know, you got somebody knocking on President Obama's door uh, sometime in the future saying, uh, we're from the FBI and we're doing an investigation of those Fast and Furious papers yes. that you didn't turn in. Uh, would you mind if we go in, Mr. President? And right. by the way, can you please tell the First Lady that we may be going through her personal belongings to look yeah. for the papers. I, I mean, I, I don't want that to happen. Okay? 
Okay. No, then, I it, be... then it turns I... us into a third world country. Exactly. I and don't want it... it to happen, but when you cross the line, it can happen, Bill. Yes, and you know what's going to happen is somebody in the Republican Party is going to say, this turns us into a third world country, and the Democrats are going to say, that's a racist remark. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> no, you're exactly right. Knowing these people, that's uh, that's all they have. That's all they have. Well, speaking of, of Texas uh, or the, 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 the other party, we opened up the Dallas Morning News today, Bill, to a, a whole page letter from the governor of Illinois yeah. to the governor of Texas saying, stop sending people in the middle of winter. Yes. Uh, as if. As if, yes, as if Governor Abbott of Texas is sending them to their doom. That's you right. Know? right. I, I mean, it's just it's just ridiculous. The whole thing. The, these people look, I, I don't wish them harm. I, I, we, we certainly are not going to let them die in the cold. We don't do that here. But but I mean, these people are here illegally. They are taking places in New York, where uh, that which also declared itself a sanctuary city last week. They took students out of a, a famous high school for a few days because they didn't have any place else to put the migrants and they put the migrants in the schools and the kids were at home and they said oh you can learn by television uh, this, this is just it's it's reached those levels and people are outraged and i think some of those people who are outraged are also liberal democrats well they should be i mean this, and this letter was like you know i beg of you to yes. think about the cold weather and these poor people that may have to been you know may have to be outside yes as if somehow we had all this room in texas yes and 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 think about the cold weather as if chicago doesn't have indoor facilities <laughs> i mean uh, the last time i looked they had a lot of buildings they had windows they had uh, heating systems uh <laughs> some of them were gymnasiums uh, some of them were probably meeting halls for organized crime. Uh, I mean, you know, but they we, they have indoor. I, I went to school in Chicago. We were indoors when we studied. And it is the whole thing is ridiculous because it is so unnecessary. President Biden can clear this up immediately. He doesn't want to clear it up because these eventually are going to be what he feels are going to be uh, Democratic Party voters. And, uh, and he is obviously, I think, under the thumb of other people and making these decisions. But it's a disgrace that a great nation like this cannot control its borders. And we don't know. And you made this point uh, last week. We don't know who's really in these groups, who's getting into the country. Right. But they seem to be coming from a lot of countries that don't seem to border the United States. <laughs> They're unless unless would... Lebanon was a neighbor recently. <laughs> Yeah, that's right. Unless we, unless the planet changed uh, its uh, its frontiers here recently, but I was talking to a fellow from San Antonio last week, Bill, and you know he's always lived in South Texas, uh, and he was telling me that you know before, fifty, sixty years ago, that you had people crossing the border. It's a it's a way of life. It happens all the time, but most of the you know most of them were coming from Mexico, maybe Central America. And they basically came over to work, uh, but there was nothing chaotic about it. They weren't really expecting anything. They just came over to work, and then they go back. Uh, or even if they stayed over here, they generally stayed out of trouble. But it were much smaller numbers than what we're talking about here. Uh, and it was a lot, you know, it seems there was a lot more, or let me put it this way, there's a lot less chaos than what we're seeing now. I mean, I... Yes. 
I look at these pictures out of New York and I'm, I'm, I'm just saying, my gosh, or this story about the school the other day. I, By the way, that school's name is James Madison. I'm James surprised Madison, they still have that Anna name. wrote the Constitution. Right. Yeah, but I mean, did he have slaves? I think so. Okay, that's what I thought, yeah. But, <laughs> but anyway, crazy thing on my part to say. I mean, people have been you know, removed for a lot less than that. So, so. Well, but they, uh, they, they, the school is still there, and it's still quite a famous school in New York, James Madison High School. Uh, it is a special high school, uh, and the kids couldn't go. And they, they were told to go home and watch on television that the teaching will be done uh, uh, remotely. Well, they, a lot of them are good students, and they went home and they tried to watch. The teachers never showed up. Right, that's the other part I yes. heard. I wonder if, if they're going to duck their pay for that. Oh, but God. but it was, I mean, but the whole thing is ridiculous. And Governor Abbott, I don't know if you've noticed this, but he's going to become the demon. Yes, in that's this right. whole conversation. Oh, yeah. uh, maybe you've heard what's happening in Eagle Pass, where he's oh, basically yes. mm -hmm. taken over Eagle Pass, or the state has, and now they're threatening him again. But his point is, look, you know, you're not doing your job, so I'm going to do it for you. I don't know if that's going to play out, Bill, but that's no, a pretty I, good argument. Well, I'm I'm hoping that the administration changes and that a year from um, uh, uh, this uh, the, uh, this January twentieth, hey, that's not that's just about a almost year away. A year, yeah, yeah, uh, that we will have a new president. But I don't know who it's going to be. I mean, I, <laughs> I you know, it is quite possible that neither of the two leaders will be on the ticket for for entirely different reasons. Right. No, you're right. I, somebody mentioned that to me the other day, and that's a really good possibility. Well, whoever the next president is, Bill, will have to deal with this situation in the Middle East. Oh, yes. That's a mess. That's a real mess. And we're starting all these daily little you know, attacks, and we go in and we attack, and and this is how you get into big wars, Bill. They start out like that, and that's, that's what right. worries me. Well, that, that's it. The, you know, we have no strategy. We don't seem to have any policy. Uh, we know that Iran is behind these things. And as uh, General Keene has said repeatedly on, on Fox News, at some point you're going to have to deal with Iran. And you better do, with, do it quickly and decisively. Because all these little pinpricks, as you, as you say, they build up, they build up, and your enemy gets a feeling you're not serious. That you, you know, we, we, we attack, they attack us, they, we, we attack a little bit them, and they get the feeling, you know, these are big countries, and look, and look how little they're doing to us. Let's do something else. Let's keep right. going. And that's, that's where, how, as you said, how wars get started. Wars always get started through weakness. That's right. No war ever got started because America was too strong. No, you're right. You're right. And, and you just wonder. Now, another thing that puzzles me, Bill, maybe you have a, an answer for my question. Why is it that it's always, always American jets and British jets doing the work of NATO? Don't these other countries have planes? Uh, I, I don't know. I, I, I heard one comment last week that it was hilarious. It was a British reporter who was reporting the story and saying that there, well, there were a certain number of American planes and then there were some British typhoons the British have a harder job because they have to fly further. <laughs> that was that was her report, trying to put down the United States because the British planes had to fly further to get to the Middle East. Well, well thank you very much for your compliment <laughs> and for your appreciation for all we've done. But yes, yeah, they have they they have these other 
uh, countries that that sign on that you, you know you've seen these coalitions before right. they have a whole bunch of countries the united states supplies the jets uh, the british supply the jets and everyone else sends donuts right. <laughs> you've got to have donuts if you have soldiers got to have donuts it's the old story this is sounds like a joke but it's not a joke during the afghanistan war uh or one, one of the phases of the afghan war the afghanistan war uh, a bunch of uh, French soldiers show up in Afghanistan and the American general says to them, hey, guys, thanks for coming, but I've already got enough people to protect the airport. <laughs> That's right. That's right. <laughs> what I need is some soldiers. Anybody interested in that? Yes, and there was also a story like that about <laughs> German soldiers who showed up. And for the first time, this is a big, big story. For the first time since World War II, Germany is sending soldiers beyond its borders. A historic moment. And they went to Afghanistan with specific orders not to get involved in the fighting. <laughs> I know. It's, I mean, with, to their credit, the Canadians did fight yes. in Afghanistan. I think they had 500 Marines. That's all they could send. 500 Marines, and I know from a young man who, who was in Afghanistan who was dating one of my nieces like 10 years ago, and she or he said to me, because one time I met him, uh, he said that he thought the Canadian soldiers were really good, that they yeah. were really good soldiers, and they were doing their part, even though it was a small number, but they, they were doing their part. But you get, you know, they keep talking about, every time I see the president and the spokesman on TV, they talk about this coalition. Yes. And I keep saying, okay, where are the Canadian jets? Where are the Dutch jets? Where are the Finnish? Because they're now part, Finland is now part of the deal. That's right. Do, do they have jets? I mean, it's like it always, it's know. always American jets doing it. Yes. It's, look, we, we pay most of NATO. This is where Donald Trump was absolutely correct. He threatened to get out of NATO and he said, you have to pay your fair share. And toward the end of the, his administration, people were starting to pay their fair share. But once he was out of the White House, I think that they went right back to just billing the United States. Uh, and I fully agree with, with Trump that we cannot be left to do this alone. No, we can't. And there is one uh, thing that does worry me. And I understand that, that Putin was saying something about going into Poland. Yes, he, did, he was. He was. Now, if that happens, we're in. We ask because Poland is a member of NATO. Yeah, but the problem is I don't think most Americans understand that. No, they don't. They don't. NATO is not a big story here. That's right. Because I've had this conversation with friends, you know, who who talk about, and these are not these are smart people. I mean, these are people who you would consider, you know, up to speed on on issues. And we were having lunch a few months back, and I said, "Well, if he goes into Poland, then we're in." Yes. And they said, "Well, why is that?" Because Poland is part of, part of NATO and we're supposed to defend them. And they go, really? That's what NATO is? Yes. Yeah, unfortunately, that's what, I say unfortunately, that's what it is. I don't understand it. Look, we're dealing with Iran in the Middle East and, and so gently. I mean, I think the next big ra raid, if we do hit Iran, they're going to really go in toughly and hit their carpet factories. <laughs> right, I mean, the, there's not going to be a good rug left in Iran. We're going to no. we're going to take out those rugs. You know. <laughs> well, the camels, the camels better be careful because we may be. I don't know if they have camels in Iran. I don't know. Wh whatever animals they have, we're going to be really taking out those colonies of whatever animals they have. Yes. Well, they. We, we're not hitting where we're supposed to hit it. We should take out their army and their navy and, like the, and, and their nuclear facilities. Well, that that, that would be worthwhile. 
And what? we've got the capacity to do it, Bill. It's simply sure. a question of ordering the Air Force. We've got somebody was saying we have enough aircraft carriers and firepower to do it in the region. Yes. Oh, yes, we do. But the but but uh, 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 Biden has to get Obama's permission because I, I do have a feeling that Obama is pulling the strings. I really do. Me, these policies are Obama's policies. They never succeeded uh, the first time and they're not going to succeed now. I agree. And but you're right about Iran. You know, something has to be done about Iran because that is that is the problem. They're the ones who are behind all of this. And oh, of course. And unless we deal with them and we keep putting it off now, to his credit, they didn't do anything when Trump was president, which would suggest to me that they must have had a pretty strong warning from Trump oh, that absolutely. he would take out their navy. Trump was very strong, and he and he did not give them billions of dollars. This business of freeing up money for Iran is insane. It's insane. There, there is there is something going on in the U.S. government that the press will not investigate. I think it involves Obama, and it involves our our relationship with Iran. But the press will not tell the American people why we are freeing up billions of dollars that had been seized assets to give to Iran, an enemy nation. And I, I find it outrageous. Let me bring up something else too, Bill, before I forget. But Britt Hume was on TV, I think he was either last night, Britt Hume with Fox News, was on TV being interviewed. And he thought it was a very underreported story, what happened at the White House this weekend when you had all these protesters oh, yes. who, who were breaking the, the win- not the, the windows, but I guess they got close to going in. And he was saying that nobody mentioned that. And I was surprised that nobody mentioned it. I mean, I thought we used to call that an insurrection. Uh, yes, that's right. Yes, they. Oh no, these are not insurrectionists. These are these are visiting students, you know. And uh, but yes, apparently it was very frightening. They had to move some people from the White House who were stationed at the White House to another location just to ensure their safety. And apparently, the fencing around the White House was damaged. That is very expensive fencing, but nothing was said by the administration. They have something going with Iran that we don't know about. Uh, and and also, a lot of the signs uh, were, well, they were, they were the usual anti-Israel signs, but there were anti-American signs. And then the one that I loved the most was hands off Yemen. <laughs> you, know, you, you, you always know when the communists are involved because the words hands off are used. You go all the way back to the 1940s. That is their standard phraseology. Hands off Cuba, hands off Yemen, hands off the Philippines, hands off Brooklyn. I mean, as soon as you see that, you know it's the communists. And they're standing there with these signs. No reporter interviewed them. No reporter said, why are you here on such a cold night with a sign saying hands off Yemen? Uh, I mean, it's just it's the reporting is abysmal. It's, it's, it's just, you know, second rate stuff. And this is what is supposed to be guiding the nation. Right. No, I know. It, it makes me wonder if the people who went in in the uh, went in the Capitol on January 6th, they made a mistake. They had the wrong flags. What they should have flown is Palestine flags. Yes. Well, and the whole they would have is, had no problem. Yes. They're, they're, it's about Palestine. It's about America. Uh, Israel is the little Satan. We're the big Satan. Uh, right. and, and now all of a sudden, these people who don't know where Yemen is, uh, 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 putting up signs saying hands off Yemen because we hit a few of their military assets after they uh, attacked ships in the Red Sea. That's where that came from. Right. And all of a sudden, 
uh, they're going to have they're going to have big meetings in their hometowns in the socialist meeting hall about the the independence of Yemen and how important it is to us. Right. Yeah. Yemen is now going to become a critical story. Absolutely. That, uh, we have to uh, somehow hands off, hands off uh, Yemen, because uh, I didn't know we had hands on Yemen in the first place. No, no. But 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 the hands off is they they that's the way it begins. The, the Communist Party is like a prayer group. They have standard prayers and all of them begin with the words hands off. Uh, yes, that, you're so right. It goes back a long time. You, yes. you see hands off. Then you know you're not talking about a detergent. You're talking that's about right. the Communist Party. That's right. That's right. <laughs> well, Bill, uh, let's see who wins tonight. We'll be yes. talking about that next week. But I have a funny feeling that it will be Trump, and I have a funny feeling that once I find out it's Trump, I'll be switching to the football game. Well, uh, that's exactly right. Oh, speaking of sports, the Brooklyn Dodgers manager you were talking about before we went on the air was Walter Alston. Walter Alston, who yes. was there a long time. Oh, his, many years. His third base coach was Tommy Lasota, exactly. uh, who did his duty. He was the third base coach all those years until it was his chance to become a manager. Kind of, I don't know, the old work ethic. You 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 yeah. learn the job and then you become manager. That's right. That's right. But I, I always use that as an example. I'm, I'm glad you reminded me of the name Walter Alston because I couldn't think of it. But... I always bring that up as an example because right now here in the Dallas area, they're going nuts. They want to fire the, the coach of the Cowboys. And I always say, you know, how did the last change of coaches work out? Because they haven't really worked out. We haven't been to the to the championship game since no. 1996, and we've had like six coaching changes. Yes. And, uh, and, and I think what the Dodgers understood, you get a good man and you give them good players, and that's the way to do it. So yes. I, I like that approach. Yes, I I agree. But leave them alone. Leave them alone. Now the only bad thing they did, of course, they left Brooklyn. But that's another topic. Well, that's 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 with the original <laughs> sin. That's so, right. yeah, yeah, that's the original sin. Well, <laughs> Bill, have a wonderful week, and I look forward to our next chat. I look forward to it too. And uh, remember, next week we'll be talking about New Hampshire. Another phrase that will disappear within one day. That's right. That's right. New Hampshire and Iowa, the two most overrated, at least political stories. Right. Beautiful states, but political right. stories overrated. Thank you, Bill. Have a great week. Same to you, Silvio. We'll talk to you later. Our good friend, uh, Bill Katz, the editor of Urgent Agenda. We chat with him once a week and uh, have a good time. Uh, have a good time doing it. Have a great day, everybody. This is uh, Silvio Canto in Dallas, and we'll talk to you later. Bye-bye, everybody.